Yeah, it it is nice to have that to 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 have that back in in scores because I feel like we moved away from from thematic material. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, so it's nice to have the melodies back. You know. Hola, hello, welcome, bienvenidos, ¿cómo estamos? My name is Marcelo Treviño and this is El Composer Podcast where we talk about creating tracks that tell inspiring stories. Today's guest is an award-winning film and television composer, world traveler and passionate road cyclist. He has worked alongside composers like Steve Jablonski and Hans Zimmer. His credits range from world-renowned video games like Destiny 2 and The Sim Series to television and film critics like NBC's You, Me and the Apocalypse, The Lion Game, the client list, as well as additional music to franchises like Transformers, Resurrection, and Desperate Housewives. His latest score can be heard on Telemundo's channel's new drama Malverde, El Santo Patron. Fellow Berkeley College of Music alumni and Spanish-speaking family man, with us here today, Peter Schlosser. Hello, hello. Buenas tardes, buenas noches, whenever, buenas noches. wherever you are, whatever time estamos? of day it is. <laughs> how, how is it going so far, sir? So far, so good. Uh, so it's funny because you know, I, I I feel like I should have sent you uh, you know a more updated resume because it's you know because last time we talked and we had this snafu with the podcast and I will I will talk about that in a second. <laughs> yeah, and and I you know I was like I kept it for because I recorded it on my side as well and it's like I'm gonna keep it for a little longer and then I deleted it and like a week later you're like hey do you have that backup? Anyways, <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it's gonna be my my time to tell the story after you finish. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's going well. So um, I'm actually just uh, working on a show for Disney Channel, uh-huh. season two, uh, the Secrets of Sulphur Springs. Sulphur it's Springs. also on Disney Plus. If yeah. you have uh, if you have children aged, I don't know, maybe maybe like you know, ten or eight to maybe fifteen or so, you might yeah. enjoy it. Yes. We talked about Sulphur Springs when we... This is my my time to tell the story. Okay. You were one of the first uh, composers that trusted my new initiatives into the world of podcasting and my craziness with the Luchador Audio. You're like, yeah, of course. No problem. We'll, we'll chat. So it, you were like my one of my, I think, first 10 recording episodes. Mm-hmm. I was still figuring out the tech side of it. And um, we're recording a different system now. But right. after the snafu, my brain went crazy. And so I, I went into... 20 backup uh, system mode. So now everything's <laughs> updated and it's super cool. But you were very kind to record all your audio professionally at your studio for the podcast. And so did I. And then you sent me the file. And then in my administration, I thought I clicked download. Maybe I turned off my computer. I don't know what happened. But when time came to edit your episode, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then no file found and download. <laughs> I only had the little download thing for WeTransfer, you know, that little link. Yep. And yep. and it wasn't complete. And I'm like, oh, no, click. And then the download isn't there anymore. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to no. do, I'm going to search everywhere before I bother Peter. And then, and then, yeah. And then I had to be like, oh, do you still have that? I felt, I don't, you don't, you don't know how much, like my bones, my head, like I felt horrible. It's like one of the worst things. But that's what happens with all these new ideas of trying to podcast and stuff. Yes. Well, you know, as long as it served for for your, you know, <laughs> for you to, to change your system into a, you know, fully uh, operational, backed up, you know, that's all I care about. Yeah. We're doing this again, so it's all good. Yeah. Thank you for doing it again. <laughs> you you worked on, before, during pandemic, you worked on podcasts, right? So you know what this yeah, is about. I, yeah. I did. So that that's also one of the reasons why I said, okay, I should record my audio on my side and then send it to you so that, you know, we can, you know, it'll be a lot easier for you to edit and all that. But yeah, yeah. so I worked on a podcast with a few friends, uh-huh. a friend of mine who's very passionate about education. He's um, uh, trying to figure out, you know, the, his mission is to change education as we know it. Uh, nice. It's called Education X.0. If you want to learn about ways that we should be teaching and learning rather than, you know, memorizing facts, it should be more learning how to learn and it's actually quite interesting and he's got really, really cool ideas. So I was, you know, I wrote, I wrote some music for it. I was, you know, basically recording and, and editing. They had me as a part of the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, how did you uh, feel doing more of a podcast role 
talking. It was interesting. I mean, it was interesting also listening to them. So, so taking a backseat and just listening to them uh, without having to, t- to participate. Yeah. And then also editing the podcast gives me a really just more of an appreciation for how yeah. well, how certain podcasts are just done really well. Yeah. Like it, the, when people take the time to edit the, the, the dialogue and remove you know, unnecessary pauses and things like that, that it makes all the difference. Yes. There's a lot of heart that gets uh, like thrown into it when you're making it sound the way it should. I think. Yes. We were just talking about that. I try to make the conversation sound as uh, melodic and as, um, well, not as melodic, but as rhythmic, rhythmically pleasing as possible. I don't know. That's a weird way because yeah. when you're a musician, you, you edit dialogue in a very musical way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's why I haven't started doing any video yet because I I just love the way that the conversations. Sometimes it's a very easy things. Sometimes the conversations mm-hmm. have that rhythmic to it, and you just do two or three things here and there. Yeah, but sometimes you do need to mold it a little bit, and it gives the listener a little bit of a kind of it keeps things going, and it's it's nice. I think it, it as you say, if you add um, care to it, it's very pleasing to the listener. Yes. That and also the art of interviewing people is also interesting and to kind of keep the conversation going. There are certain people that are harder to talk to than others. Yeah. You know, so so then, you know, the questioning becomes important and then the editing yes. becomes really important. Yes, I know. I've been learning as I go along. No. So hopefully, you, you know, you don't have to do a lot of editing in this conversation. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Plus, we're pushing this one all the way. Like we've done 22. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But I've recorded 45. Oh, so yeah. I've I've been doing it much better. Like I can't wait for people to listen to all the new episodes, but since I you were one of the first ones, I'm officially saying that this is going to be my 23rd episode. So oh, nice. After I'm done with this, like next Wednesday, we're recording on October 8th. Like I'm I'm putting this into the the audio. We're recording October 8th, but this is going to be my 23rd one. Nice. So Excellent. technically, on Wednesday, you will be. This is the fastest turning episode ever. Oh boy! Podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's me uh, saying I feel horrible for for that. But uh, thank you for your time. This is amazing. Last time we talked about the secrets of Sulphur Springs, uh, but can you tell me what the difference between jumping from something like that, which is for Disney Plus, which is uh, for kids, into something like uh, Patron Santo Patron Malverde, which is historical, epic drama, serious. In terms of writing music for for both those projects, sure. First question is, can you hear the dog? If you can, then I can go shut up the dog. That's fine. I'm going. No, no, it's fine. I can okay. I can get rid of the dog. Okay, cool. Not not in a not in a like a weird <laughs> not, uh, not in Sopranos, way. <laughs> not in a weird HBO Sopranos way, but in a in a I can I can edit them out uh, because Patron has like eighty episodes. Yes. Uh, and and I think Sulphur Springs isn't. As big as a as a eighty episode Telemundo novella show. Yeah, in scope, they're very different. They're very different stories, and I'm scoring them in very different ways. So, okay. you know, uh, Secrets of Sulphur Springs is you know sort of a you know quote unquote typical TV show in terms of scoring, where you you know you score it linearly. Okay. You know, you go score from beginning to end. There's a theme. I wrote the main theme, and so the theme appears in you know different variations throughout the episode. Not that that's any different in, in Malverde, but the way that, that Malverde was done was I didn't write to picture. The only thing that I wrote to picture was the main title. So they asked me yes. to do a main title, mm-hmm. which was incredibly fun because I had to kind of, you know, go back to, to my Latin music roots, yes. you know, having grown up in, in Latin America, living in, in Panama, Costa Rica, Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really done any of that profession, at least for scoring um, a, a show. And so what's interesting about this particular show, too, is that the character Malverde is half Yoreme, which is like the uh, the native uh, native Indians in the north of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And he's also, I guess, half European or half, you yeah. know, um, coming from whatever that might Spanish mean. Uh, you know, yeah, Spanish, May, 1903, which is sort of when this takes place. Yeah. So I was combining that, you know, the, the Yoreme side of it. And I had to do a research, you know, some research on the music. And then combine that with some, you know, kind of Spanish guitar and some more more uh, Western and European harmonies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as the, the actual score, it was I, I basically wrote 
some themes and I wrote a library of music for them right. for them to edit. So I wrote, a, you know, basically just a ton of music that they are now using for editing. So I gave them obviously stems so that they can edit as as they wish. But mm-hmm. when you're doing 80 episodes and, and they run Monday through Friday for an hour, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it is basically impossible to, I mean, yeah, score the picture. It, yeah, it's definitely. Unless there's like 10 composers sitting in one exactly. room. Exactly. And running through it at, at the same time. Yes. No, I totally get it. And uh, is there a telenovela uh, feel to it? Because I know musically and you being uh, immersed in Latin American culture for so long, you know that there is this telenovela, epic, dramatic thing. And then it, this project being a historic, just dramatic, epic thing, did you feel like you had to like push out the envelope or emotion and stuff like that? How, what was your approach uh, emotionally? or? So I tried to score it not necessarily as a telenovela. Right. Uh, more of an epic. Know, so, yeah, so sort of trying to be more, trying to think of Malverde as, as you know, kind of what he represents in in Mexican culture and, uh, you know, trying to, to do justice to that. Right. Especially as, you know, it's like Peter Schlosser writing music for Malverde does not seem to compute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But believe me, I did a lot of research, so I'm hoping oh, that that has you know that's, and that 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 got a lot of Latin in you, of course. I, I do, totally, yeah. So I'm, I yeah. was really trying my best to do it, uh, you know, to do justice to the, to the character. And for those people who don't know, he and you, you know, you will correct me when I'm wrong because you are actually a Mexican. But he was, you know, basically sort of a Robin Hood figure in in, in Mexican culture, right? So he stole from the rich to give to the poor, and you know, yeah. he kind of became this mythicized, if that's a word, figure. In in and he's, you know, sort of on par with, uh, you know, like the Virgin Mary type of thing. So people have like altars for him, and they pray to him. And mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know if I've left anything. No, out, no, no, no. It's it sounds sounds super accurate. I I, okay, good. I think I know as, as as much as you. you okay, you good. did the deep dive, so I, I trust you. Yeah, but uh, yeah. The what I what I'm trying to get at is that we as I grew up in in Mexico and we're very emotional. You've lived around Latin people all your life. Yeah, we're very dramatic and we're yes. very emotional. Yeah, and uh, our our for years our content has reflected that in yeah. in, in acting and drama and music and in just comedy and stuff like we're. A little bit over the top, if you would to say, I, 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 I feel myself when I talk to other people from other countries that there's a little bit of that difference. Is 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 that something that you like? Did you push the the strings, the emotional strings, in a very yeah to, to an extent, that, yeah. Also because yeah. because of just how sort of epic this character is. Yeah. Um, a lot of the 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 actual sort of melodrama, if you will, what uh-huh. was definitely coming through in. In the acting and the way that my music was used for, you know, in the episode. So I watched, you know, I watched a couple episodes back after they had edited it and they, you know, they made definitely some, some choices as you, as you were saying musically that, that I wouldn't have made, but they fit. I mean, you know, Telemundo knows what they're doing, right? They, they know their audience, they know what the people want, but it's shot really beautifully. So it's not like a, you know, typical telenovela that, you know, that maybe you and I grew up with in like the 90s and the you know, 2000s. Yeah. No, so these, guys, build... these guys are called serie novelas. Right. Which is like, they they feel very Netflix. They are very, very Amazon, very um, Apple TV. They feel very epic in their photography and their cinematic. But they run so often and yes. they have, they're like so many episodes of them that it, it has that telenovela tradition there. It does, yeah. So that uh, that is obviously you know there, but as you know, it, but but as far as as like you said, the cinematography, you know, the the the, the costumes, the production design, like I've never really seen anything like this. You know, That's so amazing. this is like you know, this is like Downton Abbey, but set in Mexico in 1903. You know, in, in the north of Mexico, so it's it's that level of production. So they built an entire town wow. in the north of Mexico. You know. Yeah. Um, for this, so with a church and a you know in a store and a bar and you know you know you name yeah. it, um, so they really went all out uh, and it looks really good. Did you have to do a little bit of like um, very epic, uh, big sweeping orchestral stuff for this? I did, yeah. So I did a combination okay. of that. So I, I was trying to to do the combination of sort of the 
you know, the people in the story who are, you know, sort of the more well-to-do, which, you know, typically in this type of story, they're the bad guys, right? Because they're yeah. the people that have the money and are... Billetes. So the, in the first episode, the story is that they're building a railroad and they're they're bringing electricity to the town. And, you know, some, you know, the the mayor, and they're all doing, they're doing some kind of dirty work to deviate yeah. all of these things in, you know, to go through their land rather than corruption, where it's corruption. To, yeah, exactly. Yes. All for corruption to the max. <laughs> to the max. <laughs> right. So my attempt musically was to to like I said, sort of like which is sort of encapsulated in the main title is to be true to both the Yoremis side and the more indigenous side and the European side, which the rich people are sort of trying to emulate. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some orchestral things that are you know, and, some, and definitely some Spanish guitar. Um, and then that combined with, you know, like, uh, like flutes and, uh, shakers and things that would be more, you know, appropriate for, for the people that lived in the region originally. Right. Do you play guitar? I don't play guitar, but I have two friends, uh, whom I've actually, well, they're friends now, but I've never met them. Oh, is this for the first time? Yes. So was, I'm going to back up just a little bit. This, this, I got right. this gig through a recommendation to my friend, Adri Salas, who is, I've known her for a long time from Costa Rica. She is, uh, she works in post-production at Telemundo. And so she introduced me to the, the head guy at Telemundo. Nice. Um, and, you know, I pitched for this and, and eventually got the, the gig. And so she recommended that I reach out to my friend Federico Miranda, uh, who's mm-hmm. a guitar player, and he plays or used to play. I'm not sure if they're still together with a, a group called Gandhi in Costa Rica. Okay. And then uh, I was browsing through, you know, it, hours of Instagram because that's how we waste our time. And I found another guitar player who is uh, when it works, uh, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when it works. <laughs> Throwing in, th- interrupting you with. Useless current events. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, Felipe Carvajal, who is, I think he's from okay. Colombia. He lives in in, uh, in Miami. So I got in touch with him through Instagram and I said, hey, would you like to play some guitars? He's a monster guitar player. So if you look up Felipe Carvajal uh, and his, his handle on Instagram is F-C-R-G-U-I-T. So F-C as in Felipe Carvajal, right. our guitar He's an amazing player. And so is Federico. He's, they're, they're both amazing. Shout out to both of them. So I hired both of them to play. I sent them files and they just played over them. And, you know, it's one of those beautiful things where they send you stuff back and they're like, is this any good? And you're like, this is amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, That's where you're like, great. they go, do you need me to do anything else for this? And you're like, no. no yeah, exactly. No, please don't worry. This is amazing. Yeah, it yep. feels like they're doing you a super big favor. Yes. Of how well, yes. because of how well they, they record into their stuff. And play their <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so that's, and that's been an interesting thing too. So I, and then a friend of mine, another friend, this is, uh, I won't get into the story of how I know him, but uh, <laughs> I, I've known his girlfriend's mom for a long time. He's a trumpet player. Right. And he lives now in Oregon. And so we had been chatting and I was like, oh, he should record some trumpets for me. I think he would, you know, and he's like, absolutely, I will record some <laughs> some trumpets yeah. for you. So um, his name is Luke Harju, H-A-R-J-U. Um, and it was interesting because we recorded remotely through VST Connect. And so if, if you nice. other, if your other nerds who are listening haven't used this, it's actually pretty cool. It's but like, basically being i was you know i was here in my booth quote unquote in la and mm-hmm. he was in the live room in oregon and it's like having him in the next so we room. recorded live yeah. yeah yeah uh he was he recorded live basically into my system from where he was which was yes. pretty awesome yeah it's uh, an extension of um cubase and steinberg it's done by steinberg right Right. Uh, although you can't i think it does work as a standalone thing or as a plugin so you can use it in any other daw Nice. Okay. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, I have to try that out because it's it seems like it'd be super helpful. To it is. It's a little bit. With, it's got video too, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been getting better and better. It was a slightly convoluted to set up initially, but once I got it in there, it was, it was pretty seamless. It was pretty great. Yeah. The orchestration for all that stuff, the mix. How did it go for for this one in particular? So I I tend to do a lot of that myself. Yeah. Um, for both efficiency because I like doing it. Um, I had the initial idea of actually recording live, but the budget sadly didn't allow it. Yeah. But my idea was to go to Costa Rica and record um, 
an orchestra there. Sadly, that yeah. did not work out. Uh, so I had to limit plus COVID and travel. Yes. And expenses yeah. COVID was also like a big factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did all of it basically here in my studio in LA and, uh, you know, wrote it, mixed it and sent it over to them. And they were super happy. And I was like, are you sure? So, you know, it's one of those things as the, the imposter syndrome that we all suffer from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know it happens. Oh yeah, for sure. There is, um, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you because, uh, the whole Cubase part, we talked a little bit about this last time Nerd around. out. Yes. Yes. I jumped from a digital performer to Cubase mm-hmm. and I'm finding out that it has so many features that uh, help out uh, composers in general. Mm-hmm. You've had conferences, you've gone to to all these uh, public settings where you talk about, about Cubase, specifically for film scoring people who want to get into film scoring. In your experience, what have been some tools specifically for composers who do film and television music? So... I will I will preface this by saying that it doesn't matter what you use. Yeah. Okay, so you can use your phone, you can use a laptop, you can, you know, does it doesn't matter what you if you can use Fruity Loops or yeah, whatever or FL, best whatever it's called FL you. Studio or yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Live Ableton yep. Live Logic. As long as the results are there, it yeah. really is irrelevant. Um I don't use anything that's that special. I don't use anything that isn't isn't commercially available. Um, so anything that I use, you can buy. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I do sometimes is that will make a difference is actually recording live as much as I can, if the time and budget allows it, because it gives you a very different perspective and it sort of changes the ownership of the music in, in meaning that you, you know, we live all day long in our studios and when we finally have somebody who is moving air, who is actually moving particles rather than us just playing samples it makes 100% of difference because they're putting of their own experience and musicianship mm-hmm. into your music and it it makes you go oh that's what that's supposed to sound like yes and this is a, i mean this is true it, it, whether you add a single instrument or you add a you know 80 piece orchestra it yes. you know it's it's one of those things that is that's where you go okay this is why i do this and this is yeah. where the magic happens the human, the human element, the human touch, yes, the emotion absolutely. behind it. Right. Yeah. But aside from that, uh, when you're working on your own, uh, some of the tools that that you find, for example, I know you you use Touch OSC, and I think that's amazing because you can, you know, program your own stuff in there. Uh, yeah. So, what, what else as, do you think in in terms of? So, as far as the DAW goes, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Cubase, and I and I can say this sort of you know with a certain authority because I've used all of them. I used yes. I've used DP I've used Logic I've used Pro Tools uh, I haven't really used Live because I don't know if anybody uses that uses that for scoring and I always come back to Cubase and for me that is one of the the better DAWs and the more complete DAWs now as far as sort of being efficient uh, I have an iPad with Touch OSC on it mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't know what Touch OSC is it's basically a you can build your own template with virtual faders and buttons for key commands and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so things that are very, you know, that you do repeatedly, um, you can always, you can program it on the iPad. And if you want me to send you a screenshot of it, um, sure, we'll put it up to put on, on the, the, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then you can, you know, create certain macros, meaning that you can, you know, create a series of steps uh, of certain things that you always do so that they're automated. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything that will help you speed up your workflow, because in aggregate, especially when you're working on TV, those little things matter, you know, exporting your, um, and we were talking about this before we were going to start recording, Mm -hmm. exporting stems in a really efficient way where, you know, so I basically, a lot of times I work backwards in terms of, okay, what on a project, what is it that they want me to deliver? Right. And then I think about that as far as the setup goes. So, so that I'm in tech mode from the very beginning of a project Mm -hmm. and think, okay, this is the way that I'm going to set it up so that at the end I press a button and everything is printed with one go. I don't have to think about routing. I don't have to think about reverbs or, you know, so a lot of the, the production, the mixing, the arranging, the orchestrating is all happening all at the same time. Yes. It's, you have it pre-set in a a certain way so that 
you you're only concentrated on on writing, right? Exactly. So I so and that's one of the, the things that I love about Cubase is that it's so transparent. I don't think about the program. It's just something that allows me to lay down my ideas really really quickly. Okay. Um. So so I'm able to just think about the creative aspect rather than technical things because that that really puts you in sort of a different brain. Uh, yeah, in a different wavelength. Once you have to start troubleshooting and thinking about, oh crap, I you know the violin isn't routed in the right place, and when right. I export the the stems, it's going to be in the wrong place. And yeah. so, especially when you're doing TV, yes, writing, you're you're on that schedule for doing TV, and you're writing so fast, and you're being in creative mode, and then you have to pause and send something to another place and reroute, reverse. It just cuts the whole experience of being creative. Yeah. Put, puts a big pause on it. Yeah, yeah. Being interrupted by that sort of thing is is the worst. So, like yeah. setting up a template, especially for TV shows where there's continuity in the sounds, that yeah. is one of the really very like. There's people that start with a blank template, and that that's sort of bananas yeah. to me. It scares me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I used to work with a, a composer who opened up a new session in Pro Tools for each animated episode. Oh my god! And I just I was and he started loading. Like, uh, I, oh, I need some strings. And, and I'm like, oh, oh come on. Like, anyway, oh, of course, we only have, you know this, we only have a week and a half to write yeah. 22 minutes of music. Yep. And so at one point, I built a template for him, and he used it maybe two or three times. But he was so used to the process that that he's like, oh, that was fantastic. But then when I wasn't there, he just started from scratch. Reverted so back to his old ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ways. But uh, I do, I do, I do know how important it is to have Uh, a very uh, pr producer efficient mind around the, your process. That's one of those very interesting things. So, so I went to Berkeley um, as as did you, but so I my I did a dual major. I ended up only graduating with a single major. Okay. But I so I did music production and engineering and film scoring, and I found that the music production and engineering program was much more useful. Okay. Because I learned about producing a record. Yeah. And that's essentially what we're doing every day, right? When we write a cue, we're, we may, we have to make it sound like it's going to be on the radio. Yeah. So you have to know about signal flow, about reverbs, about, you know, delays and uh, compression. compression and all of those things. Much yes. more than, you know, learning how to analyze Scriabin or, you know, yeah. whatever. A friend of mine was tweeting, um, another composer friend uh, was tweeting, uh, if I knew how much I would be EQing stuff when I started uh, trying to be a film composer, I would have like, Just freaked out because <laughs> yeah. you end up EQing a lot of stuff that you didn't yeah. think you like. It's it's part of the process, but it's so cool that you have stuff set up that you get into a creative process and then nothing interrupts, which is the right. goal, right? Think I think people underestimate the just how many hats you have to wear as a composer these days, right? You have to yes. be a producer and a you know and an engineer and an arranger and a orchestrator and all the technology yes. plays into that so much. Yes. Uh, let, let's list those out because I always talk uh, about that to my friends and it's a good opportunity to just print it somewhere. We have to uh, be a musician because you yep. play stuff into whatever. We have to be a programmer because you yep. have to program music into your doll. You have to be like a, a little bit of a computer engineer with with a, with, in terms of installing, deinstalling, hard drives, uh, authorizing, yeah, troubleshooting, troubleshooting yeah. op operating systems, updates, all that, all that jazz, right? Yeah. Buying a new computer and all that stuff. Yeah. We're doing um, composing as a composer, just right. basic composer. We're doing orchestrating. To mm -hmm. We're doing a little bit of that. We're also doing uh, marketing. Yeah. We're, we're doing a management for your yep. business. As we're a, doing billing. As a, We're doing billing. Yeah. We're doing a studio production. Yeah. Uh, we're doing public relations. Public relations, acoustic yeah. treatment. We're doing a, um, PR. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, booking. Yeah. Uh, getting getting gigs, which is uh, you know, it's a what's well, like an agent job. A yeah, bit. like a headhunter type of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes we we are we mentor and we have uh, people in our team, so we are also a team leader of head of right. head of uh, music. Yeah, we're contracting, right? So finding musicians to plan your stuff. Yeah. Yes. Parts. <laughs> right. So copying. Doing, yeah, copy printing, work. Copying yeah. work. Uh, we're also uh, producing at the end of the day music. Sometimes you're more of a producer on a project than the actual composer, and you grab things. And we're doing music editing. 
music right. editing all the and, time. You know, yeah, and, and part of the project management, like you said, the producer part is if, if you're busy enough where, you know, thankfully I, that was the case when I was working on Malverde and, and uh, on, the, on the Disney Channel show. So I hired my friend uh, Andy Forsberg, who's an amazing composer and equally amazing person to help me. And basically he was, you know, sending me stuff. I'd say, yeah, that's great. No, change this. You know, so you're also playing that role. You're a team leader too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much stuff. So and I'm much sure stuff. when and I'm sure when we jump into another uh, theme or talk about something else, roles are going to st uh, still yes. come up of yep. what, what stuff that we do. Plus we're family and and you know like dads right. and, yeah. and all that other stuff like yep. or personal business, finance, right. investor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's exhausting. Plus we're in and the middle of a human evolution pandemic right um yes yeah oh man it's a lot of stuff yeah did i just bring down the whole conversation <laughs> <laughs> like no hopefully people are inspired by it it's like i think people will realize that they've been doing all this stuff even without you know realizing they were yes but it's so cool to know that all of those are professions that people specialize in right. music editor yeah, yeah mixer yes uh mastering We we, yeah. we forgot to mention mixing and mastering. Right. Those are super important. But it's really cool because we sometimes we work with them and then we learn and then we apply that to our process, right? Right. So it's really cool. But yeah, we're mainly composers, I guess. Everything right. else we do as best as we can, I right. guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, speaking of creative process, and we talked a little bit about this before, uh, your creative process uh, coming into a, a video game or a, or a scoring project After doing all the pre-work with what they need, doing your template and putting everything together, uh, creative process, the themes, do you, are you more melodic or, or thematic or textures or what is your approach? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I try, uh, I, I think this question would be better answered by somebody else. Like okay. if somebody were like, oh, this is usually how you approach things. Um, right. It, it, it depends. Um, I'm trying to 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 keep things interesting for me. Right. Uh, so I'm trying to try. I'm really trying hard to get away from like the old, you know, like the the my my usual bag of tricks. Because right. when you work in TV, as you know, you kind of just fall back to the stuff that you know is going to work. Uh, so you can it's go. Like, ah, it's fine. It's going to work. It's okay. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Next cue. Um, I've been trying to, to, to do things uh, that are harmonically more interesting and maybe not necessarily, you know, quote unquote functional. Okay. Um, which in a, in, a, in a video game is super easy to do because, I mean, ultimately you can kind of do it any way you want, right? And in, in anything, it's, if you make it work, there's going to be, you yeah. there's, there's always a way to make it work. Right. Um, like if it works for... If it works in the end, the, all the stuff that's underneath doesn't really matter. It can be as crazy right. as, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So I've been, you know, it's like I'm trying to to sort of keep educating myself on, especially on, on harmonic language and harmonic movement. Mm -hmm. uh, something that John Powell does so unbelievably well. Yeah. Um, and so I've been trying to read a lot. I've been trying to... to to watch videos so there's a guy on youtube who i really like who i think also went to maybe went to, i don't know if he went to berkeley i think he definitely went to to uh manhattan school of music his name's adam neely so look him up on youtube he's is he kind of a savant is he the one who plays the piano he plays bass as his main instrument but okay he, he, yeah he has this uh this vlog are there vlogs a thing anymore anyway he has a youtube channel Uh -huh. And he's incredibly knowledgeable, incredible. young guy. Okay. He's like, I don't know, maybe 35 or something like that. Right. And he's super interesting. The other guy that I really like is Rick Beato, who is a guitar player. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, his stuff is really cool. So sometimes he'll analyze stuff and he's like, oh, well, let's listen to this tune by Thomas Newman and we'll talk about what he does. And yeah. so I, I love a lot of Thomas Newman. I love the modal stuff because it's yeah. very ambiguous. Like the parallel... So Parallel uh, keys and all that stuff yes. that, that Rick Viado talks about sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that, like, uh, all that is super interesting to me. So I try, that's yeah. one of the things that I try to implement as I'm writing. Um, and do I have an approach? You know, sometimes I'll sort of do the lazy thing where I started with a, you know, like an ostinato and try to, you know, make it grow from there. But I try yeah. to, you know, try. I try to change the music maybe every two, every four bars. 
to not, not get stuck in that trap of like, okay, well, here's four bars. So now I'm going to just copy paste and then just add a layer. Yeah. Sometimes or that's transpose. super effective. Yeah, yeah. Or transpose, but you know, up a yeah. minor third or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that can be super effective, but I'm tr- trying really hard to not do that sort of thing. When you watch uh, TV, do you ever hear somebody who's doing a little bit of a scoring and you think, wow, what the hell happened there harmonically? That was really beautiful. Like all the time, yeah. Because that all the time that happens yeah. to me. I don't. I don't think I've talked to anyone about that before. But I'm watching a show and I'm like, "What the hell happened there? Like that yes. was that was really ingenious and that yeah. was really beautiful. Yeah. And I wish I had my keyboard so that I could play it back and try to see what the hell was like. It, yeah. it happens all the time and it makes me feel. Oh man, you have to really like up your game. Yes, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, because a lot of the times we're watching stuff on, you know, on things that we can rewind. Is yep. that still a word? <laughs> rewind? <Yes>. <laughs> rewind. <laughs> the tape. So, yeah. so I'll grab my phone and I'll turn on the voice memo stuff and I'll rewind and I'll go back and I'll just record that section. And then later I'll listen to it and be like, oh, what, what the hell did they do there? And a lot of times oh. I'm like, that, that is so simple. It's so simple. What, and, and that's sort of the trick that I found is that I think we tend to overwrite Yes. You know, we tend to add so much shit to stuff that isn't. Am I allowed to say shit? I don't know. I don't uh, to say anything. It's, it's okay, your cool. Episode, whatever you want to say. <laughs> In both languages, you're about, okay, good. allowed to say anything. We write so much stuff that is like, and you kind of go, wait, is that necessary? And then you listen to, to these guys that are, you know, so good, like John Powell or, you know, um, who obviously I love. Um, Or, you know, somebody like Blake Neely, like he, he just won the Emmy for, uh, uh, I think it was best, main, I don't know if it was main title for uh, the show on HBO called uh, The Flight Attendant. Oh, I it's, love that show. Oh, it's so good. The music is so good. It reminds me a lot of The Firm. I don't know if you, yes. if you ever watched. Yeah. So it's like a Dave Grusin, like with, with a lot of the really, really aggressive yeah. piano. Really good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. Those, are guys, those guys are uh, amazing. So you listen to you stuff. Listen to them. Yeah. I listen back and I'm like, that, that was so simple what they did. And so I, I have to really think and remind myself of, of that. And it's like, okay, just let the picture tell the story and just kind of back off and do something simple is going to work here really well. Just stick yeah. to that. That's a great idea. I'm going to start pausing. Pausing. Is that still a word? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it still says RWW on, yes, it does. on TV. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm just going to start doing that. I'm going to start recording little pieces of, of music with my phone. Yeah. Because yep. uh, I do I do find that I'm like, oh, man. And then when you sit down and, and figure out what it is, you're like, oh, I, I would. it's so simple. I would have never thought of jumping into that right. chord from that chord. And right. it, does, it gives you this this type of feeling. So all those discoveries I find really cool to learn from. Yeah. What have you been watching on, on TV? That's a random question, but. Uh, so I've gone back uh, and I, I, so I, well, I watched uh, WandaVision. Speaking of amazing yes. scores. Yes. My God. Oh, the score from, from Loki was also. I haven't cool. watched Loki yet, but WandaVision. Oh my God. Chris Beck did such an amazing job with that score because I mean, he, yes. he was basically scoring like seven different TV shows. Yes. You know, right? It so sounds like, epic plus intimate plus creepy. Yeah, so you have like, you know, like a 50s thing with like, a, you know, I Love Lucy yeah. type of, you know, very schmaltzy old Hollywood writing. Yeah. Then you do, then you have like the 70s sitcom and then you have like an 80s thing. 80s sitcom. It was all bananas. over the place. It was so a, good. And then obviously you go into the, how you know, difficult, later on right? into the Marvel stuff. What's that? Yeah, how difficult. Of yes. A gig. yes. Yes. And so well done. Oh my god! Yes, so well so well done. Yeah, like you said, after after uh, you have all the Marvel stuff, so just getting a gig where you have to like sound that like a like an actual film, an actual Marvel film, and then right. throw all that stuff in there, all that yes. like the the creepy stuff, the era stuff, the TV yeah. sitcom stuff. It's an amazing, an amazing accomplishment for. Yeah, I, I bet you once you got to the more Marvel stuff, it's like okay, this is the easy part, <laughs> you know, yeah. like right because yeah. writing like yeah. a '50s style thing is like that's a completely yeah. like when do we ever do that? Yeah, I had so. to write a little for for the last kids on Earth. There's a little flashback to like a '50s sitcom with some like uh, octopi, and they're, they yeah. have a little baby, and then so I had to write like a little like a. One of those intros. Yep. Yeah. Very oh my God. Dick Van Dyke stuff. stuff. Yes. And it was, it took longer to do that than the actual score for the right. for the episode. Totally. Yeah. What'd you say? 
Yeah, and it was like 20 seconds. Right. Yeah. But just figuring out what, what I had to do so that it, the harmonies and it's a whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. How's yeah, that? How's the, the projects going? You're talking about, uh, you were telling me a little bit about uh, video game stuff. Are you jumping back into the video game world after a while? Yeah. So I've been still working on it. Well, yeah. They, so they, they, they haven't shown me the door yet on uh, Destiny stuff, which is awesome. So I work with those guys. Um, yes. Uh, and I've been working still on that. Uh, and, and that's been. I love Destiny. It was, yeah. It's so it was much fun. Whole, yeah. I, it was a whole year of my life. Oh, it was it? When I played it, yeah. Nice. And then I moved, so I had to sell all, all my PlayStation and oh, all no. my stuff. Tragedy. But it's beautiful, beautiful everything, just in terms of gameplay, uh, music, sound. So it's, I don't think yeah, I told you that last time around. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they do a really yeah. good job. I mean, and, and you know, the, the whole sound and music team there, you know, that's the, headed by, you know, o, OG Mike Salvatore, who's, you know, he's been doing this for Bungie for years. Yeah. And then Sky Lewin, who's um, who I went to Berkeley with, um, mm -hmm. he's sort of taking care of everything there as far as making sure that it's all ultimately fits because there's several of us, several composers that are on it. And yeah. he does one hell of a job bringing it all together. I mean, hats off to him. Yeah, it's amazing. Like it totally draws you in. It's yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Work. But have you jumped back into into that world? Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so I've been working with them. Um, I don't know when the because we're we kind of come early in the in the process. I don't know when the next release is coming out. But we okay. did record recently in Nashville again, which was you know just incredibly fun. Like I said earlier, you know once you have people in front of you and and they're actually playing the notes that you so tediously program into the DAW, and then they go, oh, that's how that's what that's supposed to sound like. That's yes. that's pretty cool. Bring stuff um, to life. Yeah. And I get to conduct, which is, you know, like I get oh, to conduct right. my own stuff, which is, oh my God, it is, that is incredibly satisfying. It's, it's daunting, you know, because I hadn't done it in such a long time because of the pandemic. Yes. I was a little bit nervous when I got up there to conduct, but you know, I mean, the, the musicians are all very gracious and all professional and they might just be ignoring me and just listening to the click, which is fine. Yeah. Well, that, I was gonna when you mentioned conducting, I I didn't know how do you, how do you feel about because I I got really into it at Berkeley, mm. mm -hmm. and since I've only had a chance to do it out in the real world like a couple of times, yeah. not like as much as I wanted, but when I was there, I like extended the the ones that we had conducting one two, and then I did advanced, and then scoring for blah blah blah, and then yep. so I like all the options that that we had for conducting, I, mm -hmm. I took. Plus, mm -hmm. I worked with uh, Richard Evans, one of the arrangers and. and harmony uh professors there on mm -hmm. his sessions so mm -hmm. he took me under his wing and i, and I did a bunch oh, of nice. sessions for him very big bandish stuff not orchestral right. stuff but we did get to conduct our own stuff when we were recording projects and you've done it since is it something that you also because I'm, I'm i feel it's something that i love but i haven't had a chance to do as much i love conducting yes i mean conducting is amazing i think yes. it is I'm trying to figure it out because for what we do, for what you and I do for scoring, mm -hmm. uh, the musicians are are so good. They didn't and really so need us hard. there? Is that what you're Yeah, so <laughs> I sometimes wonder how much they need us there. Uh, right. <laughs> it's easier. It's certainly easier to conduct my own music because I know what I want. Right. And what I love about being in the room with them is that there's a direct line from me to them rather than being in a booth, talking to the conductor and the conductor talking to them. Mm -hmm. If that has to be the case, I would rather speak to the entire room, including the conductor, and I'll just talk to them beforehand just to make sure that that's okay with them. You, 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 know, you create a rapport with the musicians, and that's so important to extract the best performance out of them. And also you just hear things differently when you're in the room with them. Right. There's something about being in that same space that is yeah. just really, really special. Um, I think it would be interesting to be in a session, say here, conducting somebody else's music, right? And having to do things on the fly, like, okay, well, it looks like this part was, you know, for the horns was done wrong. So here are your notes and just calling out, you know, like a transposition, like right on the spot. Oh, wow. You know, how scary. Yeah. Like, you know, I know Alan Silvestri has done that sort of thing. He's like right on the stage and he's like, here, French horns, play these notes, you know, and he just calls it out like, and this is in <laughs> your key rather than concert. And, you know, yeah. so uh, that would be or, or some, you know, somebody like David Newman, who has done this for years and he's an amazing conductor and 
He knows the orchestra inside and out. Yeah. That's like sort of a different level. But I mean, I would love to be able to get to that sort of thing, you know, that sort of level. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's scary. That's scary for me. Like, I, yeah. I think I would I would only get in there if we had the click. I've right. listened to the to the to the mock up twenty thousand times. Yeah, maybe conduct two or three cues and be like, okay, thank you. Guys. Right, because if if I got to a point where like, oh, let's transpose this. Of course, you, of course, you can call stuff out, but doing that on your brain, as you say, it's like a whole different level of right of a conductor, which is hats off. Those those right. are amazing. Yeah, things. I mean, if you you know, it's a different story. Like if you're conducting a Mahler symphony or a Mendelssohn or whatever, you're being on stage and you know knowing the pieces inside and out. No. Um, I think that's a different kind of skill. Yes. Um, but yeah, conducting, I, I think the most important thing about conducting in the studio is not necessarily keep the beat. They can listen to a click. They don't need yeah. you to count one, two, three, four, or whatever the meter is. Mm. It, it's just sort of kind of the emotion that you're trying to extract from them and right. figuring out, you know, certain things about the performance and how to, how, how to get, what you want out of them that will never really be in the samples. Right. If you're there, then there's this connection and you can call out things, not technically, but emotionally in yes. terms of like, let's, let's bring this out a little bit more. Let's keep these notes running for a couple more bars and stuff yep. that you find on the spot. And then there's this nice connection between the group there and things, really cool things get done. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, did, did you see all the uh, uh, behind the scenes for, the Mandalorian for the scoring sessions. Did you get a chance to see? I haven't stuff? yet. No, I, it's funny because so, so, we're, you know, it's not like we're great friends, but I knew, I know one of the regular conductors, Anthony Parnthner, Parnthner, it's hard to say his last name, but he's an incredible musician. He's, he's a, he's a phenomenal bassoonist uh-huh. and he's got the voice of an angel. Like I think he'll see, he also does voiceover work. So he's got okay. this very booming gorgeous voice yes so i think he does you know that kind of work too but uh, and then uh also one of the regular players who's an oboist um claire brazo uh who is also a member of uh camarada pacifica is is uh and the la chamber orchestra is part of that so you know they they kind of fill me in here and there on certain sessions i'll look at their instagram and be like oh you know you're at a session so um you know, speaking of amazing composers, I mean, Ludwig Göransson is another monster who's, you know, he's what, yeah, like I, 34 or something? It's insane. I know. It's it's not, it, it's that's not allowed to, to happen. I don't think that should be allowed <laughs> to, to happen. Exactly. Uh, so much, so much talent, such young, young guys. Yeah, but yeah. What, what I, my, what I was getting to is that you can feel, you can feel the, uh, the emotion of, of the, um, of the producers and the composer there. And then, yeah. and it's just, and it's just beautiful how it being a hybrid thing, uh, the actual, the actual being on the stage with the musicians, it just feels really special to, to see that happening for, for some of us. Right. Yeah. And, and what's amazing too, especially about that particular score is that he, he did such a good job of, 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 of sort of branding the Mandalorian, right. Where yes. it wasn't, the typical, and I don't mean this in, you know, with any disrespect at all, but it wasn't the quote unquote typical Star Wars score. And I love that about it, right? It's like, yes. okay, this is this is now the Mandalorian score. Sure, it has some, you know, Star Wars-y elements here and there, of yeah. course, mm-hmm. but it's very, very unique. I mean, you listen to that tenor, you know, recorder, and you're like, yep, Mandalorian, that's it. Yeah. You know, all mm-hmm. you need to do, listen to is, you're like, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yes. And that's so hard to do, you know? Yeah. So he, he, no, he combines... He Consistently with a bunch of characters, like with yeah, the he robots, does. you hear that, like all these. Yeah. There's a lot of like, um, like motifs, sound motifs too. Yeah, like actual sound design motifs. Yeah, music too. Really, and, and the, the you know the, I don't know if if, if I'm going to spoil this, but I, I'll try not to. If you haven't seen the Mandalorian, but spoiler towards alert, the end, towards everybody. the end of okay. season two, I think the whatever the last season was. Yes, yeah, you know two. where we have the uh, the guy show up that you weren't expecting. Oh my yes. god. That's Oh, that insane. cue is beautiful. Oh my god, yes. That is a beautiful cue. Yeah. I played it back many times just to hear the song and I tweeted, "Do we have a new that person theme?" Right. Cuz uh, I think well, I don't There is, right? I think I think there is. I think Right, I think, I think so there's too. a new there's a new theme there for that character. Yeah. It's just beautiful. It's a it beautiful is. and then the way it grows. Yeah. And the way it just reaches emotionally and it's just it's just beautiful. And yeah. I think I think what's happening. I mean, you you're a dad. I'm a dad. My kids, 
they're growing up with these different uh, figures. We were born with George Lucas, John Williams. They're being uh, born with, I mean, they're growing up with Dave Filoni, right. Johansson, and um, their R2-D2 is uh, this Grogu. And so things are repeating themselves in a very beautiful way. My yeah. kids here yeah. ask ask the, uh, the assistant, the digital assistant or whatever, they ask for playing tunes by The Mandalorian, like from right. the score. Yeah. And they know the name of the of Gohans. Like the, that's their John Williams. It's right. amazing how how they're how they're repeating this really cool thing about uh themes and uh, yeah. uh semiotics and Yeah. Uh, it it is bigger, nice to have that things, yeah. to, to, to have that back in, in scores because I feel like we moved away from from thematic material. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh so it's nice to have the melodies back, you know. Yes, I, I agree. Well, I th thank you, sir, so much. This is amazing talking to you. I know we could talk for ages, especially Probably, last, yes. last time around. We talked about the, the difference between between scoring video games and linearly and non-linearly and stuff. Right. So I, I might pick your brain on the, on another episode about sure. more stuff that, that, that has to do with, with scoring and stuff. But I, I, first of all, thank you so much for being an, a super important part of El Luchador Audio and El Composer Podcast, being one of the first ones to believe in, in this project. It's been growing really nicely, really beautifully, and uh, we have a little community. It's been listening to in, in a lot of countries now. And awesome. uh, it's such an honor to hear from you, hear your experience. Uh, hopefully a lot of people will get to know your music and follow all the stuff that you're doing because I think it's amazing. And uh, thank you. And if and if you would uh, again, uh, this is horrible. I tried to do this last time, and it, I, if you would indulge me and just say thank you to our audience in Spanish, just so they know how cool your Spanish is, which is also <laughs> something that I really admire about, about your your uh, your career and your your lifelong. Oh, we also we also talked about health and mental health last time. So I'll pick right. your I'll pick your brain about that also. Yeah, we should do something that. Something really important too. Yeah, if you wouldn't indulge my weird asking you to give us a just a, a shout out in Spanish so that they can Sure, so that people don't can... think I'm a fraud. Bueno, <laughs> no, gracias no. por la invitación, eh, eh, gracias por, por, por invitarme a hablar con, contigo y hablar un poco de, de, de música y bueno, de las cosas que nos apasiona. Y gracias a, a, tu, a tu público que está escuchando y que, que ha estado aquí por, no sé, me imagino que una hora escuchando lo que lo que tengo que decir sí. ojalá algo sea sea útil para ellos claro que sí muchísimas gracias maestro thank Antilo, you everybody gracias. who's been listening that's another episode thank you Peter and uh, yeah I'll, I'm gonna give out all your info in this outro peterschlosser.com awesome. and peterschlosser on Instagram I'll do a quick little um, uh, outro after this but I thank you so much and uh, yeah on Wednesday this is gonna be our, our next episode great so I'm excited I'm jumping right into this into editing this right after we finish great thank you so much I really 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 appreciate it and thank you for sharing all this stuff with us yeah my pleasure thank you so much Peter that was amazing uh, peterschlosser.com p-i-e-t-e-r s-c-h-l-o-s-s-e-r it's an amazing website you can find Peter also on Instagram at peterschlosser p-i-e-t-e-r s-c-h-l-o-s-s-e-r That was really cool. Thank you for, for your time, Peter. Uh, we have episodes in English and Spanish, guest composers, producers, and musicians who create tracks to tell inspiring stories. This is El Composer Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody, and thank you for, for subscribing. Uh, this episode and all our episodes are sponsored by Luchador Audio. We're a company that produces beautifully crafted loops, samples, tools, content, exclusive content for creating music. Uh, for you guys with a focus on promoting Latin musical talent. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for making, listening, or supporting music. If all is well, of course, please don't forget to subscribe. And we will catch you in the next one. Thank you very much. Signing off. Marcelo. Bye. Bye.